0: Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, July 7, 2021. Stand up for your country. Lots going on today. Donald Trump suing in federal court the social media companies. And as you may know, I am going to interview him in person in New Jersey today. So I'm taping this before I leave for the Trump compound. Um, So it's been a very busy day. But tomorrow on this broadcast, we'll have, I think, an exclusive face-to-face interview with Donald Trump. He may do some on-the-phone stuff. I don't know. But believe me, tomorrow will be worth watching the No Spin News because the O'Reilly-Trump interviews or the Trump-O'Reilly interviews are always rollicking. And this one will be as well so we hope you are here tomorrow. So before we get to uh, the 45th president's federal lawsuit, I will tell you that uh, President Biden is in Illinois today uh, talking about his Build Back Better agenda. Okay, so he had a little meeting at 9.30 before um, he left about ransomware. So as we predicted, uh, these criminals Uh, That hack in are now running wild, and the USA has got to do something about that. And the only solution is to declare anyone who attacks the infrastructure of the United States terrorists. And therefore, all options are on the table, including a bullet to the head. They do that, executive order, pretty easy. You'll see ransomware stop. Now, I'm not saying these people should be executed. I am saying that the designation should be made so options are available. Because what if a foreign country hacks into our infrastructure and brings down Wi-Fi in 18 states? You have to be able to react quickly. Now, again, I have no confidence that Joe Biden will do anything to solve any problem. And I'm sorry to be cynical about that. But I'm giving you the solution to the problem, as I always do. But it will not be done. Donald Trump. Okay, so as you know, uh, the 45th president is banned from Twitter. He can't tweet. And for two years, he can't post anything on Facebook. That has crippled his messaging. Uh, And now because of what happened in the state of Florida, with Governor DeSantis signing a law that says Florida residents, and Donald Trump is one, can sue directly the social media companies for damages if they do something untoward. That is a law in the state of Florida. Now, uh, I said on May 26th, this might happen. Go. Len Stolz, Clarksville, Tennessee, When Governor DeSantis signed the social media bill into law, does that mean Donald Trump has now the ability to sue Twitter and others for blocking him? Yes, it does. Donald Trump's a citizen of Florida. He can sue under the state law down there. Okay, so again, I'm an oracle, but it's not hard. As soon as DeSantis signed that law, I knew Donald Trump was going to do something, and he has. Now, this is a federal lawsuit. Filed in federal court in Florida. Okay? And it is what they call a class action lawsuit, which means other people who are banned from uh, social media or social media has done something to them can join the lawsuit. Okay. It's a big deal. Now, the reason that the Florida state law comes into play, even though it's a federal lawsuit, is that without that, Twitter and Facebook and the others can say to the federal court, there's no precedent. You can throw this out. But now there is a precedent in Florida. It's a little complicated. It's a little pinheady, But it gives Donald Trump a better shot at this. Now, he's also suing uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who's the head of Facebook, Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, and a few others personally. They are named and he wants punitive damages, in addition to being reinstated immediately on all social media. Here's what Mr. Trump said today. Our filing also seeks injunctive relief to allow prompt restitution and really restoration, and you can name about 20 other things and it has to be prompt because it's destroying our country. Of my accounts, In addition, we are asking the court to impose punitive damages on these social media giants. We're going to hold big tech very accountable. Okay. Now, this will take a long time. And there will be, obviously, uh, attempts by the social media companies to have the case thrown out of court. So it will go on and on and on and on. I see a three-year horizon on this. But Donald Trump doesn't have anything to lose. His bills are being paid for by political action committees associated with him. So he's not going to have to pick up a tab for it. It's going to run into the multi-millions of dollars on both sides. And Twitter and Facebook and the other social media have their own attorneys. They'll have to get outside counsel as well. So it'll be a three-year at least ordeal. And then whatever happens will be appealed probably to the Supreme Court. So by the time 2024 rolls around, the next presidential election, and I do believe Donald Trump wants to run again, and we'll get into that in my interview with him, um, this may not even be resolved by that. But again, this is a positive for Donald Trump. He is on the offensive. And the media cannot ignore this. See, they ignored him as they ignore me and, I don't know, thousands of other uh, people in America, because the media's game now is black out anything that could hurt the progressive movement or Joe Biden. That's the game. But you can't ignore this. So Donald Trump then gets into the news cycle. Now, tomorrow, in addition to the Trump interview, and I will speak to him obviously about this, we will have reaction from the network news and the cables about the lawsuit. Well, that'll be our two big stories tomorrow. So I expect the Trump interview, well, I'll tell you about it later um, and how difficult this interview is. It's a, it's not, this is not an easy thing. I'm not the kind of guy that goes in and says, well, how you doing, Mr. President? What's on your mind? <laughs> I have very specific questions. All right, now in New York, um, I said on WABC radio, which carries the no spin news, that uh, Andrew Cuomo has announced he is going to run for a fourth term as governor of the state. Now, he has not announced that in those words, but he announced it in another way. As you know, Cuomo is accused of uh, misbehavior toward women. Um, He's accused of killing senior citizens and nursing homes with the COVID ruling, all of that. But he, what he did yesterday, says, yeah, I'm going to run it again. I don't think there's anybody here who can beat me. So what did he do? Well, he announced the first in the nation executive order declaring gun violence a disaster emergency. Now, this is a ruse. There is no doubt that gun violence in New York City and Buffalo and other cities in the state is crazy, insane. And it's Cuomo's fault. This is what I love about politics. He signed the Nobel Law. He champions not prosecuting violent criminals. He, Mayor de Blasio of New York City, and Manhattan DA Cy Vance, the three of them have destroyed the criminal justice system in New York State. There they are. They've destroyed it. Well, now Cuomo says, no, 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 it's not my fault. I'm going to declare. A national emergency so here's what he's gonna do and this is just a ruse this is just a terrible joke okay number one treat gun violence like the emergency public issue it is what does that mean no one knows Two, target hotspots with data and science data and science how about arresting guys you find with guns data and science so de Blasio obliterated, destroyed the street crime unit, which took the guns off the streets of New York and was fabulously successful in doing it. He banned it, destroyed it. What did Cuomo do? Nothing. What could have Cuomo done? Could have put the state police under covers and done the same thing. Cuomo didn't do it. Okay, doesn't care. Third, positive engagement for at-risk youth. Ah, oh, positive engagement. <laughs> it's Four, break the cycle of escalating violence. Well, how? How? Well, Cuomo says we're going to create a new hospital-based violence intervention program. What does that mean? This is all, <laughs> I can't say the word. <laughs> Get illegal guns off the street. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So you disband the street crimes unit but we want to get the guns off the street. He's so keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people. He actually put this in print, keep guns out of the hands. So Andrew Cuomo is going to go door to door. Are you dangerous? Give me that, give me that gun. You see how foolish and stupid this is? And seven, rebuild the police community relationship. Sure. You got to do that. You've demonized the cops to this. I mean, They're up to here. The police in New York State, not just in the city, hate you. They hate you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, But Andrew Cuomo is going to solve the gun violence, and he's going to use that to run for fourth term on a populist ticket. I'm a crime fighter. Oh, my God. Just to remind you, um, according to Gun Violence Archive, which tracks... Murders and shootings in the USA in the last five years, shooting murders are up 31%. All right, shootings up uh 60%. How about that? Hmm? All across the country. And it's almost all of it is in Democrat-run cities, because that spikes up everything else. Okay, let's go to California. Now, L.A., we're going to do this tomorrow as they got an epidemic of violence, too, um, because they won't enforce the law. It's the same thing. Progressives will not enforce the law. And the reason is because they believe the racist society in America has forced people to get guns and shoot other people. So it's not really the shooter's fault. It's society's fault. <sighs> All right, California. So the University of California system is the largest in the nation, all right? they got schools all over California. So their Board of Regents has voted now to cut ties with all Catholic hospitals, all right? So there used to be associations because there are 51 acute care hospitals in the state of California. And when kids got sick or hurt on a campus, Sometimes they would go to those hospitals. The Board of Regents in California says, no, 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 we're not going to do that anymore. Why? Because the Catholic hospitals do not believe in abortion and assisted suicide, euthanasia. So the regents running the university system in California say, because they don't believe in abortion and assisted suicide, we're not going to do business with them. Now, this proves the state of California is anti-religion, which it is. The legislature in Sacramento and the idiot Governor Newsom are secularists and they despise, despise organized religion. You saw that in the COVID thing. You saw how much of a hard time that Newsom gave the churches that wanted to hold services, you know, with protections, but Newsom wanted to shut him down. So California is now the most hostile state towards religion. And this is what is coming. What is coming along with the socialism and the secularism is anti-religion. Because that's the only thing standing in the way of unfettered abortion. Right? Which the progressives want. So they're big on inclusion, but they don't really want to include the fetus, do they? They want to destroy the fetus if the mother deems that necessary or whatever it may be. They don't want any restrictions on abortion. You got a headache five hours before you're supposed to birth or your boyfriend split or whatever, your husband. Ah, Go ahead. Go ahead. Abort. That's what the progressives want. It's just uh, what I'm telling you, you know, you you would say, oh, Riley, you're exaggerating, you're, you know, Governor Cuomo, Governor Newsom, you're not telling that. I'm telling you the precise truth about how these people are governing. All right. California, largest state. New York, the fourth largest state. This is how they are governing. This is what they want. San Francisco. Now, I, the reason that I pick on San Francisco, and I do, I admit it, I pick on the city by the bay, is to show you what happens when the secular progressives take over and there's no other alternative. There's no Republican Party in San Francisco, in the city or the county. It doesn't exist. All right, It's wiped out, which is what the totalitarian left wants, obviously. So there's a high-end department store, Neiman Marcus, in San Francisco. All right, I've actually been there. It's in Union Square. So on Monday, um, about 5 p.m., nine individuals walked into Neiman Marcus and started cleaning the store out, stealing everything they could get their hands on. Now, Neiman Marcus, I guess, is private security. They didn't do anything. Waiting outside Neiman Marcus was a big van to take all the stuff and all of these perpetrators away. All right, so this was a a well-organized, orchestrated mass theft in a major department store, five in the afternoon in Union Square. No arrests have been made. Why? Because San Francisco doesn't want to arrest them. Because you can steal up to $999 in the city of San Francisco and they will not prosecute you. So who's looking for these people? Maybe a couple of cops, maybe. But they got cameras everywhere. They they know the vans. They they know. All right. Now, in conjunction with that, Target, the big department store, says it's got to close all its stores in San Francisco at 6 p.m. Because after that, there's so much theft and uh, chaos that the stores can't control it. So now, in San Francisco, you cannot buy anything at Target after 6. Walgreens has closed several stores and not going to reopen. And 7-Eleven, after 10 p.m., you can only do business through a metal door. Now, you would think that the residents who live in San Francisco would finally rise up and demonstrate in Union Square, in front of Neiman Marcus, in front of Target, with signs saying, we don't want the progressive government, any longer. It is destroying our city. You would think that maybe 20 or 30 people would get together and do it. No. It reminds me of the story in the Bible, and I'm not a Bible thumper. I I know that's a derogatory term, but I, I read the Bible because it's very interesting to me. But I don't use it in my analysis. But there is a story about a town, Sodom. That God was going to destroy, but some good people said, You're going to kill good people in there. And he said, Well, if you can show me 50 good people or 10 good people, I, I won't destroy it. Now, he didn't destroy it. Okay? But I want to see some good people in San Francisco. But I'm not going to see it. Because number one, If they did demonstrate, I don't even know if the media would cover it. Certainly the national media would not. Maybe the locals. All right. And number two, if you were out there demonstrating against the progressives, you'd get hurt in your job, social circle, whatever it may be. That's how powerful the grip of the progressives is in San Francisco. All right. The Capitol Hill riot so far. 535 people have been charged, all right? Federal charges, 535. 495, the overwhelming majority, have been charged with entering a restricted federal building or grounds, okay? There are other charges against some of those, but that's the main charge. There are 300 other people suspected who have not been arrested yet. So the Justice Department, the FBI, is aggressively going after the people who invaded the Capitol, as they should. No excuse for what those people did. None. Okay. But isn't it interesting that Joe Biden, Justice Department, going after these people aggressively, but all the violent criminals... All the killers in Chicago and L.A. and New York. Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because the people in the Capitol are white. And most of the violent criminals are black. That's why. Gas. Now, this is going to hurt. The Democratic Party hasn't yet. Will. So, as you know, gas is way, way up. Um, and right now, the national average is $3.25 a gallon. Before Joe Biden was inaugurated, it was about $2.15 a gallon. So it's up about $1.10. Uh, AAA says the average price of a gallon of gas is going to increase 20 cents more. That'll bring it up to about $3.50 a gallon okay, by August. Okay. Now, this is, as I've told you and told you and told you, right on the doorstep of Mr. Biden, because as soon as he got in office, he's put regulations on the production of oil in the United States. Remember, under Trump, we were oil independent. We had so much oil, we were selling it overseas, and that kept prices down. Now, after COVID, there's a surge of people driving again. They need gas. So the oil companies go, oh, this is good. We'll raise prices even more than we have to, because we know that Biden's going to cripple us down the road. And that's what's happening. So I I did a stat on the radio today that that says there are about 50 percent of Americans who have no or little savings in the bank. They have a little money in a check account to pay their mortgage and whatever, have to pay rent, but they don't have any any backup, about about half. Don't have anything. So these people now are paying 30 to 40% more in gas and energy costs. You gotta air condition your house, gotta heat your house. Okay, all of that is, is taking what little money they have away from them because salaries are not going up, even though people. Our companies need workers, and they do. Most of those companies are service industry companies. They're not white collar. Okay, so the salary is a salary. You can make 15, 16, 17 bucks an hour. But it's not the big, big jobs. So people who don't have any money are going to have less money and be more dependent on the government for stuff. COVID. So Maryland, uh, interesting, you uh, put out data on May. 100 percent of all the people who died in Maryland in May from COVID were unvaccinated people. 100 percent of them. Okay. 93 percent of the hospitalizations unvaccinated. Ninety five percent of the new COVID cases in Maryland unvaccinated. That's a very interesting stat. Okay, because it says if you aren't vaxxed, even though cases of COVID nationwide are dropping, that it's around and you could get it because nobody's wearing a mask anymore. So there are unvaxxed people walking around without masks. They could get COVID. In fact, half 25 states in the union, COVID is trending up, but it's almost all. Among the unvaccinated. So if you're not vaccinated, you're in danger. That's the point. I I don't know why anybody wouldn't be vaccinated at this point. I know there, I, I know the conspiracies, I know, I know, I know, I know. But we live in a country that's pretty much through COVID. Go to Mexico go to Canada, go to Europe, go to India, COVID's everywhere. Why? They're not vaxxed. This isn't hard math. It's not hard math. Japan. Now, the Olympics are are going to begin shortly, Friday, July 23rd. It's going to be trouble in Japan. Why? They're not vaxxed. About 20% of Japanese are vaxxed. You would think that Japan would have 80, 100%, because in Japan, there's no dissent. The government tells you to do something, the Japanese do it. It's not like America. Japan is a very, very, not an authoritative system, but their tradition is to obey the central government. They don't have the Vax. So all these athletes are going to Tokyo. And you don't have to be vaccinated to compete in the Olympics. You do have to take COVID tests, two of them, upon arriving in Japan. But this is a disaster. Wait do you see what happens here. So kids, athletes are going to get sick. Uh, they're going to have to drop out. The bubble they're living in is going to be penetrated. I mean, you can see it. Now, why wouldn't the Japanese say you got to be vaccinated if you want to compete? I don't know. NPR. So, NPR, Um, National Public Radio. I don't know. 25 years I've been telling you that this is a left wing outfit. It's okay. But what's not okay is that it gets public money, but not a lot. I had my crack staff investigate today. Less than 1% of operating costs for national public radio comes from us, the taxpayer. So it's not a big deal. But on the 4th of July, they tweeted, they being the people who run NPR, quote, 245 years ago today, leaders representing 13 British colonies signed a document to declare independence. It says that all men are created equal. But women and slave people, indigenous people, and many others were not held as equal at the time. In this thread of the Declaration of Independence, you can see a document with flaws and deeply ingrained hypocrisies. Okay, so that's how NPR celebrated the nation's birthday by saying it was not a perfect document, which is true. Why wasn't it a perfect document? Because the central government. All right, in Philadelphia, which was meeting to break away from Great Britain, did not have the power to tell the southern states you can't have slavery. And the wisdom at the time, almost everywhere, is that women were not equal to men, not just in the United States, all over the world. Does that justify it? It does not. Unjustified. All right, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, his son. They both knew slavery was wrong. I don't know how they felt about women, but Abigail Adams, John Adams' wife, was very powerful. So I assume that they thought Abigail should have the vote. But the key historical point is that in the meetings in Philadelphia with the founding fathers, when they were drawing up the Declaration of Independence, which said we're not going to be British subjects any longer, and then later the Constitution, That government in Philadelphia didn't have the power to abolish slavery because the South never would have gone along with it. And the most powerful state in the Union at that time was Virginia, home of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. If Virginia didn't sign on, there was no United States. They couldn't break away from the King of England. If you read Killing England... You'll get all that. NPR doesn't want to get that. They're not smart enough to know that. And even if they were smart enough, they want to portray the USA as a bad country back then and today, because NPR is run by progressive leftists who want to wipe out American traditions across the board and impose an inclusive society based on a strong central government. That is a socialistic enterprise. That's what the people running NPR and PBS want to do. So that's why they do all this stuff. There's no explanation. I mean, Thomas Jefferson knew slavery was wrong. And so did James Madison, the two architects of our Constitution. They knew, but they were too weak as human beings, too weak to set their slaves free because their slaves made the money. Now, Washington was a different cat, as Dennis Miller would say. So Washington inherited most of his slaves because he married uh, Martha, a widow, and she had a whole bunch of slaves. So he just didn't want to rock the boat. And he did have a slave, a personal slave, which he did set free, Washington. But Washington was more interested in military matters rather than social matters. I think that's a fair statement. But all of them knew whatever their rationalizations were for holding slaves and not trying to abolish slavery back in 1776, they knew it was impossible. They couldn't do it. There would be no country, no new nation. So they got what they could get. And then incrementally, up to the Civil War, slavery was abolished. Good thing, right? And hundreds of thousands of Americans were killed in the effort to abolish slavery. And almost all of them were white. You hear that from NPR? You know, it, it, the corruption that I am seeing, and I think you are too, in this country today is unprecedented in my lifetime. I have never seen the media corruption and the political corruption that I am seeing now with my own eyes. And if you watch this program carefully, if you go back and take out and watch the Cuomo stuff and, and how the state of California is behaving, and the evolution of the corruption. You can clearly see what's happening. There's no two sides to the story. So I'm not going to put Juan Williams on the air to tell me I'm wrong, because I'm not wrong. And Juan Williams does, and I'm just picking on him because you know who he is. There's legions of them. They're not interested in what's true, in what's historical. Couldn't care less. They are interested in advancing A progressive agenda period Taliban so nobody cares about Afghanistan I know Uh, we've been there 20 years we're out now Taliban will take it over it's a matter when not if Um, the Afghans do not have any tradition of democracy it's a tribal country they are Islamists okay Now, there are good Afghans who want to have freedom, but most of them, it's not an important priority for them. They live a very medieval life. Most cannot read or write. Most don't have power. They live in various places where they've lived for thousands of years, their families. And the Taliban takes over. The Taliban takes over. They're not going to risk their lives to stop them. So we were there 20 years. We gave them a chance just as we did in Vietnam, and they're on their own now. And they're not going to be able to defeat the Taliban. Why? Because the Taliban are now financed and armed by a number of people all over the world. And even though we are still arming and giving money to the government in Kabul, which ostensibly wants democracy, not enough. We're going to be overwhelmed but the real thing is the Afghan people will not fight for their freedom because they don't value it. Freedom is not a tenet of Islam. Now there are Muslims who love freedom and you can see them in America and in Europe. They love it. They know it's the only way to live. And there are millions of them, but most followers of Islam, not a top priority. So you can expect Afghanistan go right down the drain. Now, Both Trump and Biden. And look, 20 years, we could have kept a residual force there like we did in Korea, like we do in Korea and in Germany and in Okinawa. We could have kept a residual force. That's what I would have done. Because once the Taliban takes over, then ISIS and al-Qaeda and all the other kooks are going to come back. That's what's going to happen. And we're going to have to deal with them down the road. But, I mean, how much money and blood is America supposed to expend in Afghanistan? <clears throat> it's just like Vietnam. We did what we could in Vietnam 60,000 Americans killed, 300,000 Americans wounded, fighting for the freedom of the South Vietnamese people who wouldn't fight for their own freedom. They wouldn't do it. And now they're communists. Now they don't have any freedom. We tried. We succeeded in Korea. We stopped the communist incursion there. Again, America stopped it, and South Korea is a free nation. We couldn't stop it in Vietnam. We tried. And look at the sacrifice we made. Vietnamese people wouldn't fight for their freedom. And that was it. Okay, aliens. Do you believe 65%? Of Americans believe in aliens, according to a new Pew Research poll. Okay, very simple question: Do you believe intelligent alien life exists on a planet outside of Earth? Sixty-five percent say yeah. Thirty-four percent no. Well, how did the sixty-five percent know that? I, I guess you could believe it, and you don't know there's a god. You believe it, I guess. But I'm a data guy, and. I don't know. It's not that I don't believe. I'm agnostic. I don't know if there's aliens, especially intelligent aliens. If there are intelligent aliens, I'd like them to apply for jobs at MSNBC, which would be an upgrade. Are UFOs friendly or hostile? 17% say friendly. 7% unfriendly. 74% say neither friendly or unfriendly. How do you know? I love you All right. This ain't history. This is a serious story. Probably forgot this story. I have not. July 7, 2016, five Dallas police officers killed in an ambush. OK, so a guy named Micah Johnson, who is uh, an adherent of the new Black Panther movement, got his gun gunned down. Um, five Dallas cops for no reason at all. He was killed by the Dallas police, this man. Three others were charged, two men and a woman, but those charges were dismissed. But Johnson had to have some help. So the reason I'm telling you about this is, number one, I want everybody to know how police officers sacrificed their lives. We need to be constantly reminded. And number two, here's what Barack Obama said at the time. These men and this department did their jobs like the professionals that they were. In fact, the police had been part of the protest plan. Dallas PD even posted photos on their Twitter feeds of their own officers standing among the protesters. Two officers, black and white, smiled next to a man with a sign that read, No Justice, No Peace. And then around nine o'clock, the gunfire came. Another community torn apart. Okay. Now he's referring to before Johnson shot the five Dallas police officers, there were a couple of incidents where African-American men were killed by police. That's what he was referring to. All right. Quick break. Back with mail and a final thought about the Trump interview. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Let's go to the mail. Uh, Estralita says... I've stopped watching President Biden. He does not make any sense. I'm scared. Philip, concierge member, means he gets direct access to me. I'd like you to become a concierge member. Just go to BillO'Reilly.com. I'm watching the country go into Jimmy Carter mode, and I'm not happy. That's my message of the day about Jimmy Carter and President Biden. Patricia, concierge member, it's extremely sad to watch Mr. Biden struggle with the simplest of thoughts if he continues on this downward spiral. How long before the VP takes over? I don't see that. I think that the progressive element really likes Joe Biden in that office. He does what he is told to do. Ginger Metzger, Boynton Beach, Florida. Thanks for keeping us informed on the Disney Corporation. I agree that parents and grandparents will continue to bring children to the parks. We are in Florida and spent numerous vacations at Disney World, always staying at the properties. Now we'll visit the park less often. Ron Marshall, uh, Tamworth, New Hampshire. I agree with your views and share your dismay with the woke Disney company. You mentioned the cost for a family to attend Disney parks, estimated at $2,000 for a weekend. When Walt opened Disneyland back in 1957, the price of admission, $2.50. Interesting fact. Joe Waters, Mesa, Arizona. While I'm not a fan of Disney's continued efforts to cater to the woke Let's not forget about the patriotism they still display at the Disney parks. Rob, partisan politics is replaced doing the right thing. Absolutely right, Rob. No doubt about it. Eric Verdon, Sefner, Florida. I have never been much of a reader, but your killing series is without a doubt, as they say, a real page turner. Listen, the killing books this summer, killing the mobs, number one again Sunday. Number one again Sunday, nine weeks. All right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable believable all right get all killing books and you'll have a fun summer and you'll learn a lot of stuff okay word of the day do not be agog a-g-o-g when writing to billoreilly.com bill at billoreilly.com bill at billoreilly.com name in town if you wish to opine right back with a final thought on the trump interview this episode is brought to you by shopify All right, here's the final thought of the day. I am taping this before going to New Jersey to interview President Trump tonight, okay? In that interview, anything could happen, all right? You know me, he knows me, I know him. I don't know what's going to happen. These are difficult interviews. I've got to maintain a respect for the office of the presidency, 45th president. Same time, I want answers to some questions. I'll give you a preview during that interview of what the shows will be. The Trump O'Reilly History Tour. Tickets, just go to BillOReilly.com. Bang! You're right in the box office, okay? So you'll get a preview of that tonight. How it's going to be different than all of the other Trump interviews. So I hope you'll be with us tomorrow. Spread the word. All right? Sign up for BillO'Reilly.com premium membership. You can access the interview anytime. You can watch it on the first. You can hear it on WABC Radio and all our other outlets. We will do for our 300 radio stations the message of the day on the Trump interview. So that's all tomorrow, and I will see you then.